Okay, pandemic, a bit crazy for us all. Uh, I want to give you guys like a, kind of those one-up stories. When the, first, when the pandemic first happened, we shut down pretty much everything according to AHS guidelines, and the kids' program was shut down. And after the first or second wave, they started to kind of hint that maybe we could open the kids' program again. So we hired someone, incredible person. She had been part of our community for years, worked in the kids' program. And then in three months, she went through five two-week isolation periods, five quarantines in three months. Could you imagine that? She was locked in home more than she was out of the home for that three months, and it just became too much. Their family was first responders' family. Her husband's a firefighter. God bless firefighters. And so after that, she just said, Vince, like, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> and so she stepped back. And it was only a very short time we had her, and it was this wonderful moment of joy and excitement, and then this moment of like, oh, geez, but how do you fault her, right? The fact that she stayed mentally sane through that, I'm impressed. I don't think I would have made it. And so after a couple months or many months, as the numbers started to shift, HS said, hey, we can open up again. And so we started to look to our community again to say, hey, we want someone to inspire kids to make the world around them a little bit better. It's incredible how it happens. As we looked through our kids program, we found somebody who had just, well, actually, I'm going to let her tell her story. I'll say this. We've hired a new kids pastor. She's fantastic. And you're going to meet her in one second. Everyone, a big round of applause for Ashley Young. Welcome. Welcome. It's the first time on stage for you, isn't it? It is. Okay. I love being in the limelight. <laughs> Perfect. Now, you've been coming to Friend Church for how long? Um, it's actually going to be six years come September. I was from Ontario. Okay. I, so I had looked up this church prior to leaving Ontario, coming here, because I wanted something that was going to suit my needs. Okay. And I've been coming ever since. But I only met you like a year ago. <laughs> What's up with that? Yeah. So <laughs> when I tell them, I'm like, well, I've been coming here for like six years. They're like, okay, and how come we haven't been introduced? Um, I kind of was one of those people, and I don't know if any of you can relate, where I would sit in a chair by myself, and then once everything was done, I would sneak out. Don't introduce myself to anybody. <laughs> when they had the tea and coffee, I would just sit grounded in my chair. Would you play on your phone? Yeah, pretend that, you know, don't make any eye contact. <laughs> it's a universal symbol. Don't talk to me. I'm doing emails that are important. Okay, so what made you change? Six, well, five and a half years of head down, kind of don't meet anybody. Uh, actually, it was Tara uh -huh. who approached me for volunteering. And then once I started volunteering, I was like, this is not so bad. Right. Even scared? though I know you guys weren't bad. <laughs> okay, but what were you scared of? Um, I think just the old... I grew up with the old traditional church, kind of fear-based. You have to be perfect. Um, just kind of in my own struggles of feeling not worthy, I guess, um, to be a part. So even after all the times, every time I come up here, I tell you guys stupid stuff that I do mm -hmm. and like super imperfect. 
yeah, I still, um, I just struggled with that and I just doing a lot of self-development and so forth and kind of feeling like I am worthy, I have self-esteem, I can, you guys aren't scary, I can be a part of this. As you look out now, do they seem scary? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you're originally from London, Ontario. What's London, Ontario? I've never been there. What's it like? Um, just laughed. She laughs. Do you, <laughs> you know do London, laugh? Ontario? Oh. There you go. London, Ontario is not much of anything. Okay, that's why I don't know it. Uh, so, uh, family? Do you have family? Yes. So, I have two boys um, who are actually in the front over here. Nice. Um, my mother nice. out here and my, and my brother. Um, oh. Pretty much everyone's still back in Ontario, so we go and visit. Okay. Now, this isn't the first time you've worked in kids programming. No. So is that like, let's ask, let me ask you this question. How did you get into working with kids? And then we'll kind of look through. Okay. So um, literally grade 10, we had careers class and they did your whole color scheme and my color was blue. Which means? Um, People person, friendly, you know, children. Like Jeff. Like Jeff. Like Jeff. Completely. (laughs) Anyway, so I do this test and we had to do an assignment and I picked child and youth counseling. And so right from there, finished high school and jumped into that. Really? Mm -hmm. Now, where have you worked in the city? Uh, So moving here, I um, has worked at Hull Services. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. It's a um, treatment facility. Um, for mental health for kids and youth and from there then I changed to the domestic violence shelter of Sheriff King the YWCA Mm -hmm. so I worked with the kids um, coming in there uh, for trauma so you've seen kind of the whole spectrum of kids Mm -hmm. when you you know when kids come out of domestic violence and they come into your program like what kind of characteristics do you see from these kids are they quiet are they like and you get a you'll you'll get uh, from one spectrum to the other. So you'll have where some kids are they're acting out. Um, they want to, you know, they're upset. They want to show control over their well-being, their environment. And then you have the ones that completely withdraw into themselves, mm-hmm. that don't um, say too much at all. Where mm-hmm. then you're trying to piece stuff for them. After working with kids for this long. When you're in those moments, what like does your heart still break for them? Oh yes. Oh really? <laughs> it's overwhelmingly. Um, I feel like sometimes I'm that empath where I absorb everybody's feelings, wow. and you know, and sometimes you're just taking that home with you too. So. Self care must have been a bit tricky. Yes. Self care. So Maybe. now you resigned from YWCA and literally me and you met about volunteering. Yes. And like two minutes in, I was like, hey, do you know we're hiring somebody? What got you excited about Friends Church? Why would you be willing to come here? Um, just because I love what Friends Church stands for. Um, for myself, I love coming here, and so why not, why not give back um, for the programs, the, the kids' programs here? 
I feel that self-love is so important, and I want to instill that um, for the kids here. And automatically, if we focus on the self-love of themselves, that just regenerates back into our uh, communities. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, because I deal with y'all, and I assume you guys are all very you know, healthy, adjusted human beings. Can I get a yes? As you all laugh. Sometimes. <laughs> Ish. I'm kind of mildly adjusted. But again, I never, until we started talking, I didn't realize, yeah, kids need to find themselves, learn who they are, love who they are, mm -hmm. and then they just seem so generous in the world. Mm -hmm. Is that what you've seen through all the different programs you've run? Uh, yes. So just that whole self-development, doing mindfulness activities. Sometimes there's just so much chaos. Even for ourselves, do we just take that moment and do we go within, do we focus within ourselves? Um, I feel when we have that piece, that is a stepping stone for uh, everything else. <laughs> Impacting the world around mm -hmm. you. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, okay, I grew up in church. I don't know if you guys knew this, grew up in church. I got kicked out of Sunday school pretty much every week for about six years. <laughs> Shout out to my Sunday school teachers. They were volunteers and I was a bad kid, so whatever. Um, it was also really freaking boring, mm -hmm. like really boring. The flannel graphs just didn't cut it. So like, are we going to do something about this or what's going to happen? It's here? not going to be run fear-based, <laughs> that's for sure. Okay, no fear-based, no like, yes. you're a bad person. So fine activities, obviously with my background, I have a way with all sorts of kiddos and so forth. They're going to be in there and they're going to be learning and not even realize that they're <laughs> learning. It's going to be just fun. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Carmen does the same thing. Do you guys know, and if you're a teen, put your hands over your ears for a second because it's going to wreck the teen program for you. He'll do a bunch of programs and he teaches you the things he wants to learn in the activities that they do. So it <laughs> exactly. seems like you're kind of like, oh yeah, we're, we're on board. Have fun. <laughs> we're like kinship right here. <laughs> okay. Um, you get a chance to give a shout out to the parents. I'm sure you'd love to meet them all. Yeah, so within this next um, few weeks, going into September, I wanna be emailing and reaching out to the parents uh, to get to know you, to connect, to see how your kiddos are, just to bring value to this program. And let's hopefully bring back um, the programs yeah. to its full capacity. Yeah, right now, what are you running? What age groups are you running? Uh, grade one to five. I want to get back to bringing in the toddlers, um, babies, things like that. Uh, see new old faces, new faces coming back. Just to there's one of your target market right there. Target, <laughs> so that you guys can enjoy your spiritual gym, and the kids are going to have their own spiritual gym. Nice. Can we give her a big round of applause? Thanks, Zach. I'd encourage you after the service, go and introduce yourself, say hi, uh, tell her a bit about yourself. Again, super friendly, and uh, I'll be back in a minute. I'm just gonna pass it over to Trevor for a minute. Good morning, everyone. It, community seems to be a bit of a theme today. We were on a road trip, so we're at Montreal and Toronto, and we're looking at these beautiful church buildings. and. I'm a bit of a churchy, so, you know, like I can't get enough churches. I know other people have capacity limits. Fortunately, my family is also churchy, but there was no people in them. And it really got me thinking afterwards, like, well, the buildings are really nice, but outside the architect, that's not really community. 
And that's what I really enjoy about coming to Friends Church. It's great to see so many of you coming back. And those of you who are online, like we want you to know you're all part of this. It's so much fun to have us go through this together because, you know, as we're looking at it, we're all coming from different points and perspectives. And I can certainly relate to what Ashley was saying and, and what Adam was talking about. Oh, am I worthy enough to come someplace and really be who I am? And I hope you feel that this is one of those places, that this is a place where you're safe to come and, and be who you are, and that you'll be seen and heard unless you want to slip out quietly. That's also apparently a strategy you can do for up to five years, just so you know, so you check your limits on that one. The other thing, though, when you feel a sense of community, what I'm going to ask you to say is, well, how can we give back? We're going to need volunteers, so your time's important. I'm also going to tell you your money's important. So if this is a place where you feel a sense of community and want to keep contributing to that, we're self-funded, so that means all of us are the people who are making this go. There's lots of different ways to do it. We just want to encourage you. If this feels like you and you want to be part of this, we just want to encourage you to keep stepping up. Have a great morning, everyone. Vince is going to knock our socks off. That'll be great. Yeah, well, Vince, no pressure. No, but Vince will be fun. Thanks, Vince. Okay. Just in case you haven't had enough of me. Um... There was a piece of news. I don't read the news. I just, that's just not a thing for me. I find it doesn't work for me. Um, but now and again, you know, it kind of sneaks into my life. And so I read an article about this guy named Kevin. He's kind of middle-aged, really bad sunglasses fashion. He kind of wears like the mirrored aviators. Um, kind of balding a little bit, blonde hair. He's got two young boys, wife. They're out celebrating Canada Day. Kind of just after the kind of we lifted the masks, so the first time they were out without masks, walking around, enjoying their time as a family, and a bunch of people approach and start yelling at him, lock him up, arrest him. This isn't like a kind conversation where it's like, "Hey, buddy, how's it going?" Yeah, arrest him. No, they're screaming across the crowd. Then one person lines up with one of his kids, his youngest son yells at the kid, your dad's a war criminal. Sorry, buddy. Your dad's a war criminal. This isn't a public spot. It got so bad that Kevin had to take his son, run away from them, put him over a chain link fence and hand him to someone else so that people couldn't get to the kid. Isn't that kind of brutal? One of the pieces you probably don't know is his last name's Shandro, Alberta health minister. Now, this isn't a political message. I don't do political messages. That's not a thing we talk about here. So I want you to put politics aside because Kevin Shandro and his family and him doing his job, completely fair, right? Him going out with his family to Canada today, Totally fair. A bunch of people not happy with the policies that are coming under his name. Totally fair. Totally fair. But how do we get to the point where people are yelling at each other in public, attacking people's kids? How did we get to this thing where it's, it's us against them? You know, the, the protesters against Shandro and his family. You're a horrible person. And it wasn't like, you know, your policy on, you know, policy 13, column, or paragraph 4, line A, I think the wording was a little off there. No, no, no. You are a war criminal. You are dirt. 
Can you feel the language? You guys over there, us over here. And we somehow identify as different. You're that person, we're these people. And so now you're the enemy and I can attack you. And I read this story and my first reaction was like, oh, those horrible people. And then I had a moment where, you know, the Friends Church Spiritual Gym moment where you go, where do I do this? Anyone, anyone said, I hate that person? Anyone look at somebody in their life and go, that person is, maybe you don't say it out loud. I don't say it out loud. Well, actually, that's not true. I do. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I'm a dirt biker. I go out like two, three times a week. Love dirt biking. And we go to this place called McLean Creek. Anyone heard of McLean Creek? It's like 45 minutes out of town. It's this public land use zone where they've like marked it out and you can go dirt biking there. You can't go outside there, just there. And a bunch of people. So this is, you can even tell. As soon as I say it, I call them greenies. Now, I'm not against the environment, but those people want to close down my dirt biking area. Can you see how I'm thus in them? Now, I can get all rational and be like, well, you know, dirt biking, it's a, a spot really close to town. People who go to the mountains to go hiking use more gas than I do riding there. It's good for my health, keeps me in shape. It's good for, very good for my mental health, very good for my mental health. I take a week or two off, my wife's like, you should probably go dirt biking. <laughs> You're kind of a jerk right now. I can rationalize it all, but really, what am I doing? Us dirt bikers against those who want to close the park. Us and them. I don't want you to think about this politically. I'm using language that's political. I'm going to get you to try and get your brain off that. This isn't about environmentalism. This isn't about um, Alberta health policies. This is about how we interact as human beings. And just to make sure I'm not doing it all one-sided, a guy named Tucker Carlson, a Fox News host, is out one day shopping for a new lure to go fishing with his family. Some dude named Dan Bailey comes to him and says, I can't even remember what he said, but something like, you are the worst human being to ever live. He, he videotaped himself doing it. Oh, there we go. You're the worst human being known to mankind. Really? Like the worst of the worst, like if we take all the human beings of all time, he's the worst? <laughs> the guy actually videotaped the confrontation. Again, ran into the guy in a sports store, starts going off on him, videotapes it, posts it on Instagram as, this is the thing that we do. We attack them. Us. And them. Our brains do this in under 100 milliseconds. Stay-at-home parents. Parents who go back to work. People who work from home. People who work from the office. People who value nice things. Or people who are going, no, 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 you should give your money away. Can you just see how we just have this us and them. Us and them. We even do it in coupledom. Any of you who are coupled or in families... I remember it this way, you remember it that way. I'm right, you're wrong. Us and them. 
So let me ask, where in your life does your brain go to us against them? You already know mine. Do not mess with McLean Creek, folks. Where's yours? Where do you look at people who are different and, and just see them as like other than or not quite the same as or different and that we have this, this growing sense of disunity in our culture, right? Vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, maskers, not maskers, environmentalists, dirt bikers. I call it disunity. And I was, I was really troubled by this. I, you know, when I first heard the story of Kevin and him getting attacked in public with his kids and, you know, having to, like, put his kids over a fence to protect them from people, I was going, what the hell is going on in this world? And as I do, I wanted to blame social media, <laughs> partly because I hate social media. It's kind of the thing that's wrecking everything in the world, Right? We have access to all kinds of information. Some of it's not peer-reviewed. Some of it's, you know, people are, are anonymous. They're attacking other people. It's just this mess of messiness. That's, I think it's running all the disunity, right? We can blame social media, right? In which case, we just need new policies that says the algorithm has to give you balanced reporting on everything. So if you see a Black Lives Matter video, you have to see a white supremacist video right after that. That should fix it, right? <laughs> a friend of mine, this is going to be kind of an aside, but a friend of mine and I were talking about, uh, so we're going to do a poll here quickly, just for shits and giggles. Um, if you have, money's not the issue, but you, have, you need a new mattress, and you're going to buy a new mattress, no matter. How many of you would spend, before you put your brand, your options are I'm going to spend $3,000 on a new mattress, or I'm going to spend $300 on a used mattress? How many new mattress people do we have out there? Oh, how many $300? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'd be that way too. It's like a hotel, right? It's no big deal. Can you feel how quickly all of a sudden we got to the us and them here? You know, we don't want to admit like, yeah, I'd take the used mattress. I don't care if someone peed in the mattress. <laughs> it's so funny, even in its values. I value this, you value that. And it feels like this, like, you know, I have to kind of like, yeah, I'll be honest and say, I want the used mattress. It becomes weaponized and villainized. And so I thought, disunity, okay, social media, you know I want to blame that. But I'm going to go back to the oldest stories that I know. And for me, that's the Bible. This is my training. So I went back to a book called Ezra Nehemiah. Just shout out to Ezra over there. Our youngest member of Friendship, his name is Ezra. I think that, I was wondering all week, why did I start looking at Ezra? I bet you that's why. <laughs> so Ezra and Nehemiah is two books, but they're actually one story. So it should be like one long book. Set up for the story. Nation of Israel gets taken over by Babylon. This is their pandemic, right? A bunch of them go to Babylon. That's how Babylon did it. They would take a bunch of people, the best of the best, take them into their, indoctrinate them in their culture, and they leave a bunch at home to do the, the sowing of the fields or whatever. You could tell I'm a farmer, right? I'm just going to wave my hand like magic stuff over here. Anyways, they did that. 
bunch of years later, decades later, these people come back. Cousins reunited, you know, long lost family members. People have common grandfathers. These people, the exiles, come back to Jerusalem to rebuild their culture. And they start in the center point of everything, in the temple. And the exiles start to rebuild the heart of everything that they know. This would be like coming back to your house after your entire block burns down and it's like home again. That times 100 because all of your religious beliefs are tied into there. Everything is there. And so as they're rebuilding this, every moment is sacred. Every moment is the pandemic's finally over. And as the exiles are building and getting this thing done, the people who never left, the people who were doing the field stuff, what's the proper word for that, doing field stuff? Tilling, cultivating, anyone know? You guys are as bad as I am. What is it? There we go. So people toiling in the fields, taking care of that business. They come to the exiles and say, can we help rebuild the heart of everything we know and love? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think the exiles are going to say, of course, we're all family. You know, mother from a, or brother from another mother, that kind of business. We were gone a little while, but you know, we're all together. No, of course. What do they say? Get lost. We don't want your help. We don't want your help. You're different. We grew up in Babylon. We grew up doing this kind of stuff. You? Yeah. So I'm, I'm disheartened by this Kevin story, how we attack people, the disunity in our world. I'm disheartened by my own knee-jerk reaction to the same react, or feelings. And I go into the Bible to find this like, beautiful story of our spiritual ancestors who you know, hit it out of the park and we can all be inspired by it. And that's what I get? Does anyone feel underwhelmed right now? Like, geez. If you're going to put a story down and keep it in, in play for the next 2,500 years, let's get a good story, shall we? So I thought, okay, I just got a bad read. You know, you sometimes read through stuff and you just read, read a bad one. So I thought, I'll, I'll just read the next chunk of the story. 50 years later, more exiles come back. People here toiling in the fields, doing their business. This group here has spent the last hundred years in Babylon. What do you think happens to a bunch of young hormonal teenagers living in an area with other young hormonal teenagers? Do you think they stayed connected with their own group? Do you think they only like dated people in their own group? No. They married all kinds of people. And so we have this big schmozzle of like... Um, Israelites and Babylonians and you know all the other kind of groups and these exiles come back who still identify as exiles come back to re keep working on Jerusalem oh now instead of this group being mad this group says wait a second you married who you're not like us I know you think you are but you're not you're not perfect Anyone hearing Ashley's story? You know what they said? They said the only way we'll accept you back is if you divorce your Babylonian partners. 
How do you think that went? Really? You want me to leave my wife, break up my family, make her destitute, make my kids have no family to be around so that we can be part of your group? Disunity seems to be bred. Not even bred. It's part of our DNA. Us, them. You're different. We have to push you away. If you're not like us, you can't be part of this group. Unity is incredibly hard. After a couple days of depression when I was like, I realized, no, unity, being united as a people across values, across beliefs, across uh, culture, across everything, that's incredibly hard. It's not social media. It's us. It's our natural reaction to say, you're different than me. You're not part of my group. And after a couple more days of sitting with this, I realized, I think there's a solution to this. And you're not going to believe me when I say it, but just bear with me for a quick second and just try this out for a second. I think the solution to create unity is religion. Some of your eyes just kind of went like this. Sorry, what did you just say? I put it on the screen so you can make sure. No, that's what I said. When you look at the Ezra and Nehemiah story, they're wise people had spoken for generations to say, at some point, we will all gather together. Man, woman, people who don't fit the gender binary, slave, free person, whatever your skin color, your cultural background, whatever you are, we will all be together in Jerusalem, united. What's it gonna take? I think it's going to take the spiritual decision to treat our neighbor in a different way. It's not natural, right? (laughs) Dirt bikers and greenies. There's a story. Actually, I just talked to somebody uh, today. They're asking what the the hoops are. You can see, if you look up, if you're here physically, if you look up, you can see these hoops. That's from a story called The Days of Creation. At the end of the days of creation, if you look at the one over here, it's blue right on top of us. It says the character God. And again, I'm going to use the word character God because this story speaks about God in a cultural way. Their culture believed God was a super being up in the sky that could do incredible things. They believed it was a he. They believed if you made him angry, he would do bad things. That crater character that the story calls God created, again in this story, creates humans and says something crazy. It says, I created these humans in the image and likeness of the divine. Have you ever looked at somebody into their eyes and thought, there's a divine spark in you. Have you ever looked in the mirror, looked in your eyes and went, wow, there's a divine spark in me. 
She just said every day, it's better than I am. It's better than, much better. You see, our tradition has this way, a spiritual way of speaking about the unity, speaking about the religious portion of it. And it says, when we as humans who want so much to create disunity to think us and them, me against those people, our group against their group, if we're willing to make the spiritual choice to look into the person across the way and see the spark of the divine in them, things start to change, don't they? Dan Bailey sees Tucker Carlson, his enemy. What if before he attacked, because this, this was a random occurrence. It wasn't like he planned it. He didn't have it all set out. He ran into him into a store. What if before he said anything, he looked him in the eye and went, wow, you're a human with the spark of the divine in you. How would he treat him then? Someone told me, my coach told me, there's, um, and I'm going to get some of the details wrong, so look this up. Don't quote me. I'm going to paraphrase this whole business. There's a, a guy who ran the remand center here. He's retiring or moving on. He said the very first thing he teaches every guard is he says, I don't care what the person is in here for. We don't look at that at all. We treat that person as a human being. We treat them as if they have the spark of the divine in them. We treat them with respect and love. That's where we start. He's recognized as one of the best leaders of the guards that we've had in years. Because he knew something spiritual. He made the choice. And he's like, look, someone's going to walk in here and they're going to have done things that just turn your stomach. They're going to make you want to kill them, make you want to treat them horribly. There's all these things they can do. They keep the lights on all the time or they play music loud or, you know, there's all this horrible stuff. Forget to let them out for the day. He said, no, we won't do any of that. We will treat everyone as if they have the spark of the divine in them. Think about your life right now. Think about the persons or persons you struggle the most with. What if before you react, before you attack, before you create the us and them, you did the spiritual work, the spiritual choice that said, I choose to see the spark of the divine in you? Just play it out in your mind. Can you feel the difference in your energy? Before I yell, before I say that cutting thing, before I call you a name that allows me to treat you in a way that I see the spark of the divine in you. And it resonates with the spark of the divine in me. And before we do anything else, let's recognize that unity. As soon as I do that, first it brings my cognitive part of my brain online, not the emotional part that's upset. As soon as I make that choice, I start to interact with the person differently. Hey, Tucker Carlson, not sure I love your policies. I think you could maybe rethink those a little bit. Hey, Kevin Chandro, not cool with how you handled all that. Cute kid. Think about in your family, 
You know, that the person in your family who says that thing or that tone or that humph, whatever, my brother can sniff at me and it will, I will lose my mind instantly because <laughs> he's the devil, right? <laughs> if I stop and go, ah, the spark of the divine is even in my brother. He's not evil. He's not doing this to me. Okay, dude, that didn't feel very good. We can still disagree. But when we do the spiritual work of making the choice, and again, it's a deliberate choice to see the spark of the divine and the people that we see as them, I think that's the beginning of how to create unity. I'm going to tell you guys one last story. It's a Samaritan it's a story called the, the Samaritan woman. And again, we, we mess up that word Samaritan. To us, a Samaritan is somebody who does kind things, takes care of other people. It's not how the first readers understood that story. So Samaritan means the person who you think is doing everything wrong, who's, who believes wrong, who doesn't agree with you on anything, it's them. So picture in your mind any person who you think vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, maskers, anti-maxxers, stay-at-homes, I don't know, people who save their money, people who spend their money, whatever the thing is that's them, that's Samaritan. Jesus runs into a Samaritan woman. It says, so. They have a little chat. She's like, um, you know I'm a Samaritan, right? She's like, yeah. You can tell she's like, I don't think he's picking up what I'm throwing down here. Okay, so like you know that your group thinks my group are causing all the problems in the world because we don't do it right, right? You got that? Jesus is like, yeah, got it. You can just see she's kind of like, she's, see she's looking at him like, is this guy dense or what's going on here? I am them. You are us. We are against each other. This isn't how this works. And then in a moment of, I don't even know. I'm going to paraphrase how I want to say this. Jesus says something like this. Can you throw it up for me, Catrice? She says, you're right. We both see things a little differently. We value things differently. I value saving money on a mattress. You guys want to spend $3,000 on a new one. But think of all the different values. Partners who value different things. Friends who, who want to do one thing, other friends want to do something else. People who look at it as public health crises. Someone's saying this is the solution, other people saying this is the solution. We value things a, dif- a little differently. We do things a little differently. You're right. <laughs> it's like he's saying, I hear you. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Can you throw the next one up? But a time is coming, and this very moment is the beginning of it when we transcend the physical and connect on the spiritual level. Next one. And at that level, there is no us and them. But we're all together in unity. I see the spark of the divine in you. You who is other than me. I see the spark first. And this is the moment that I want you to spread to the rest of the world. I see the spark in each and every one of you. And I love that part. And if we start there, the rest of the conversation goes much differently, doesn't it? I think unity needs something as powerful as religion to force us 
to transcend what we're wired to do and find unity again. As I was driving home yesterday from dirt biking, I was coming down McLeod Trail and I saw a bunch of people protesting. I always support protesting. I think it's fantastic that people can voice it. But as I was looking at the signage, I saw them saying, you are sheep. I thought, how do I see the spark of the divine in your eye when you don't even recognize me as human? I went, oh, that's why I did this messages, because I need this more than you guys do. When we look in the eyes of our children, I'm sure the spark of the divine is easy, right? When we look in the eye of our partner who we've had this amazing connection moment, easy, family members, easy. What about the person who believes things completely different than you? What about the person who you believe is risking your health because of their beliefs? That's when it takes the power of our spirituality to say, I will choose to see the spark of the divine in you and treat you with love and respect. That's an amen right over there, right? He's loving it. Folks, I think if we can do this, we can change our world, and that's what we're all about. So have a great week. Look for that in people's eyes, and look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week.